0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: You know, I think the journalists increasingly are targeted today because of the perception that, you know, information is, is part of the conflict or has, or has become so. Um, but actually, journalism shouldn't be part of the conflict.
2: Welcome to the adventure podcast and episode 100 and breathe (laughs) episode 100 is supposed to be a big deal and in many ways it is Um, it's a milestone and I'm incredibly grateful obviously to everyone who listens to the podcast particularly those of you who've been with us since the early days. But rather than coming up with some contrived special, I actually wanted to use the 100th episode as a timely opportunity to appeal to you to support a campaign that is extremely close to my heart. So bear with me and strap in. On the 20th of March, some very talented friends and I projected the Ukrainian flag onto the Russian embassy in central London. That's a story for another day, but um, in front of that flag and on that embassy, we gathered a score of incredible journalists, broadcasters and celebrities to launch a campaign called Straight from the Frontline. The idea of the campaign in phase one is to raise £100,000 for the Frontline Club, a charity who support freelance journalists who are working in extremely challenging environments to bring us the news, and of course, by proxy, the truth. At the time of recording this introduction, six journalists have been killed in Ukraine. We have very good reason to believe that journalists are being actively targeted by Russian forces. That is a war crime. In this episode, I sit down with Vaughn Smith. Vaughn introduces himself, but in overview, he's a conflict journalist at heart. He's also the founder of the Frontline Club, the charity he set up to support freelancers in honour of the many friends and colleagues he lost doing the job he's done. In the run-up to the projection on the embassy, I spent most of that week living at the Frontline Club in central London, getting to know Vaughan and Mario, who runs the club very, very well. So, please do listen to this conversation with Vaughan, and if the story resonates with you, then please donate to the campaign. The link to do so is in the description in this episode. Thank you. So, I think... Logical place to start, please, is if you can introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your background and career.
1: My name's Vaughan Smith. Um, I was a soldier in the British Army and then became a freelance video journalist, um, starting a small news agency back in 1988. Uh, we worked in Afghanistan. The agency was called Frontline News Television. We operated it for 15 years, and we were the first, we were the first group of people to pick up consumer video cameras and use them for news gathering. Uh, they were called Hi8 cameras. You could buy them in shops and it was a, a, a technological breakthrough. And we used those cameras to run around the world and try and sell, them, sell the news material to the existing news networks. Um, the agency had a pretty high attrition rate, in fact. Half of us were killed. Uh, that was eight people out of a group of 16 over those 15 years. So if you join the agency at the beginning You could suggest you had a 50% chance of getting through to the end. So we lost some good friends. And then um, I decided that what was needed uh, was to somehow, at the end of that agency, when we'd we'd sort of run out of that energy, the the cost was simply too high, um, I wanted to create an institution or, 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 or a place for journalists to meet together. I'd observed in my work in the field, particularly in Kosovo, how you got to make very good friends doing this sort of work. Sort of, uh, you know, all danger together and all very much focused on the same objectives to try to tell the truth um, and to show the world the sort of suffering that was going on uh, and explain it as best one could. And so uh, it, it was very important to sort of bring that kind of community I felt together. So I opened the Frontline Club as a means to allow people to maintain links more easily Um, And we quickly developed into something that actually focused very hard on supporting journalists in the field, particularly trying to support safety, um, uh, trying to promote awareness of post-traumatic stress disorder in journalists, um, and uh, to remember them. Um, The tragedy, of course, today is we're running out of wall space um, for the pictures of all the journalists that are killed. Only yesterday in the Ukraine, Pierre Zakharovsky was killed, along with Sandra, a Ukrainian journalist, a Ukrainian producer. They were working together for Fox Television. And they were killed, um, tragically. Pierre was one of, the, one of the cameramen who I used to work with uh, in those days. I used to sell his material. Um, and it's just heartbreaking.
2: Yeah, and you know that's a very raw emotion, surely. How are you feeling and how have you processed that? It's very difficult,
1: of course. Pierre was a particularly fun guy. I mean, he was always smiling, always laughing. He'd been doing this for ages, um, and he was a character. Um, he was a character in the industry, and it's, it's, it's terrible to lose him. Um, and it makes me so angry as well. It makes me so angry um, that so many journalists are killed in the course of their work. Journalists don't carry guns. Um, we carry cameras. Um, we attempt to tell the truth. We work to try to promote better public understanding of the suffering of people in conflicts. You know, it's incredibly important. I mean, perhaps more so than ever today, when you see you know, the divergence of stories coming from Russia and Ukraine, it's absolutely essential that journalists get out there, see for themselves. Um, the ability for a journalist to show you and report directly is one of the few ways that we can be sure of what's happening. And so I just feel that the targeting of journalists and uh, several commentators do believe today that journalists are being targeted by Russian forces. It's always hard to be sure of that because you know, conflicts are dangerous. Um, but today I rather think we're short of heroes and well, you know, Pierre and Sandra who were killed yesterday, they're my heroes.
2: And has the field changed over the course of your career in terms of journalistic safety and security?
1: Oh yes, it's changed a lot. Uh, And in many ways for the better, Um, when I was starting out, we didn't wear protective jackets, flat jackets or helmets or anything like that. Um, We weren't trained on first aid or or how to look after cells. Uh, Journalism used to be perhaps more of a sort of um, intellectual exercise, or people considered it so. And they didn't focus on the the practical aspects of how you keep yourself safe. But it simply got so dangerous. It started to get dangerous, I felt, in the the Bosnian Wars uh, 20, 25 years ago. Um, and uh, you know, I think the journalists increasingly are targeted today because of the perception that you know information is is part of the conflict or has, be, or has become so. Um, but actually, journalism shouldn't be part of the conflict. One thing I find um, or have found when I've been filming human suffering in conflicts is um, the, the 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 sufferers, the victims. Um, are desperate for the world to know what's happening. They are desperate for the truth to get out there. And they blimmin' deserve it. Um, And so for those people courageous enough and responsible enough to do this well professionally, they're of incredible importance to the public um, and should be better valued, I think. And I think that we should demand that they're kept safer and that um, they can't just be targeted um, if indeed that's what's happening. Um, but there's lots of evidence that they've been targeted over, over many years. But no, it's become a lot more dangerous. But I do feel that journalists have, have worked hard collectively to improve their skills and their procedures um, and, and approach it more sensibly. But, it, you know, it's not keeping us safe, is it?
2: And it's obviously vital that we understand and work out whether or not journalists are being targeted, and that's, that's a conversation for a different day, but whether or not they are, What's the gap, and what's the issue, and why is the frontline club needed and relevant, and what is it you want to try and achieve moving forwards?
1: Well, the, the frontline club is a, a club, desi- a social club for journalists and their friends, and it's designed to build community. Um, and it's become second home to so many journalists who risk their lives. I mean, they'll they're, they're on one level they'll go out on a trip and come back and, 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 and every time they're coming through London, they'll use us to entertain and maintain their social lives, which otherwise can be very difficult for them. You can get quite disconnected. So it provides that sort of social service, but it does so much more. And The Frontline Club uh, funds um, the Frontline Freelance Register Uh, which is a representative body for freelancers who are one of the three communities that we should identify as journalists in Ukraine, for example, covering the war today. Um, And these freelance journalists, they don't necessarily have um, a a news organisation to deliver them the sort of support um, that they would need, um, that we all need, uh, logistical support, somebody just to know, where they are, what they're doing, where they're going, keep track of them, hold next-of-kin details, um, give them all sorts of support and encouragement and and be a sort of home base, somebody keeping an eye on them. And there's there's a range of things that we can do to, to help them that are incredibly important, not least if they don't have enough money with them, which can happen because you can get stuck in places, um, you know, they, they may not be able to get out, they may not be able to afford to, you know, to, to live in a, the safest place, they may not be able to afford to hire somebody to interpret for them. There's a range of things, or hire a car to get out, or, or, or at least a safe one. There's so many things that these people need in support, particularly if we want them, if we value the free flow of news, the free flow of information, um, which seems to me pretty important today. I mean, there's a huge craving for us to understand what's going on because it's so important to us. Um, it's always been important to us. And, and I hope we're waking up to the fact that we do need to attend to attend to the news and, and understand what's going on. But I think we, we, we must look after, as best we can, those people risking their lives to bring us the information, accurate information, that we crave and need so badly. So the Frontline Club will do that, but it, it does a range of other things too. Um, we, we effectively work hard to promote good quality journalism to the public. Um, we, we, we act as a, rem- a place where... We collectively remember people who are lost. We um, we, we um, fund and support all sorts of initiatives. Particularly, we collaborate and try and design uh, and, and, and promote uh, good safety practices. Um, we promote good safety. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we have a, a, a leading role, and of course there's some other very important organisations, uh, many of whom I've been involved in setting up. But we, together, are doing our absolute best today um, to help, uh, the free flow of good quality, truthful information out of Ukraine.
2: Yeah, and, and asked wholly compassionately, that's an incredible ambition and lots of it you are doing, but is is it working in Ukraine at the moment?
1: Well, what's happening in Ukraine at the moment uh, is uh, it's incredibly dangerous. Journalists are all over the country. Many of them, most of them still have the ability to communicate, which is a little better than people expected. Um, yeah. Uh, what we're seeing in this conflict that it is i think uh, very commendable and perhaps different is news organizations are working together like they never have before um, in the past there's always an element of competitiveness which is a good thing because you want good journalism and you want them to compete but in this danger today and i think it is groundbreaking breaking they are they are they are collectively assisting each other in in reporting the news in the way I've never seen before. The way that was attempted um, in Bosnia, famously led by Martin Bell, uh, the famous BBC um, reporter, um, who who tried to lead that sort of collaboration, but it's happening now. But then you've got the the freelance community, many of whom are there, on a sort of more self-funded basis, uh, perhaps using Patreon or various other uh, means to try to reach the public or social media to try to get funding that way, which is is something that uh, you know is, seems to be working, which is really good. Um, you've then got people who um, uh, uh, subscribe to us as the representative body, um, uh, uh, who uh, to, and if you if you do subscribe to uh, the Frontline Freelance Register, it, it, you're required to sign all sorts of codes of conduct and things like that to bring you in line. Um, with what the industry requires, the standards the industry ju- rightly requires um, in terms of safety and, and probity, um, uh, w- you know, which is obviously essential. But um, then, of course, you've got these extraordinary Ukrainian journalists, and, and Sandra, who was killed yesterday, was one of them, um, who also act uh, to keep um, international journalists safe. They act as their, uh, their eyes and ears, they hear the language, they understand language, they interpret it, they organise all sorts of needs for them, and they understand the, you know, what's happening locally, um, geographically, they, have, have, you know, they understand where things are, and, where, and, and so they have an absolutely vital role. And um, the problem, and one of my concerns today is there's also, and you get this in every conflict like this, I mean, it was very big in in the Bosnian Yugoslav wars, where people simply, young people often, want to start a career in journalism and they just go there. They buy a camera, they go there. Now, these people won't necessarily have understood or subscribed to our code of conduct or an industry-recognised code of conduct. They won't necessarily be abreast of the safety training that we all do. Um, And I am worried about those people and I urge them to um, uh, join up with the frontline freelance register and benefit from what we can support and help them with. I, I'm not into stopping people to do journalism. Um, we, you know, there have been debates in this industry for years about where, you know, the, 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 the idea the, the quote "no story is worth a life of a journalist." Um, Sounds very sensible on, on first inspection and it's something that you would have heard 15, 20 years ago, we'd all band you that about. But actually journalism is important and journalists who've been killed, tragically, um, you know, it, it's not for nothing. So that statement doesn't work. But it still has value. Um, and so, you know, w- w- that there is a, there's a, the balance that we want is we do need to report the world. We don't want to inhibit journalism, but we want to do it safely and we want to look after people and we want to um, ensure that that people do so effectively and with the ability to make risk assessments and the ability to understand um, what the gains are journalistically for the risks they are taking. So it's complicated. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a moving feast, um, and it's a, it, it, well, a rather moving uh, feast, perhaps isn't the right word. It's a sort of moving uh, situation that requires. You know our engagement, and not just our engagement. It requires the engagement of, of many other organisations um, that that work in this space, um, many safety organisations, um, and uh, you know there there are a lot of people trying to try, trying to um, keep journalists safe. Um, but the Frontline Club has a a key role in that, um, um, and a very
2: particularly a key role in the safety of freelancers. And so, what is it that you need to be able to do this now? And actually. To backtrack ever so slightly, where are you as a club? You know, COVID has been obviously yeah. damaging.
1: Look, there's, there's, there's no doubt. I mean, the, the Frontline Club um, is a sort of member-supporter type organisation where um, we provide hospitality services. You know, there's a great journalist bar here, there's a restaurant. And when people come and visit us, any profits that come out of that operation go to the charity and to support journalism, like all of them, and I personally, I've never got paid from, from it and work full time, um, because um, I think it's it's worth our commitment. It's certainly worth my commitment. Um, uh, but uh, obviously during lockdown, during this awful pandemic, um, not only did a lot of journalists suffer, they really did, particularly freelance journalists, they didn't get any income, they struggled to, to cover conflicts, but also us as an institution that exists solely to support them. Um, obviously, we suffered because there was no hospitality trade. Um, and consequently, we've come out of that uh, trying to face up to the, the, you know, the, the, the needs, um, the, the huge needs that um, were presented by the Ukraine crisis, the Ukraine conflict. Um, and we aren't as strong as we were when we went into, I mean, obviously, when we went into the pandemic. And we, we need to rebuild ourselves. We need institutional support. And we need to be able to build, um, or rather, more importantly to say, extend significantly our ability to support journalists in Ukraine. And we need to do so immediately. We're we're, we're making great strides, of course, um, but we need the help to do this. And never has it been more important for us to understand what's going on and never has it been more important for us to support journalists at risk, allow them to focus on their job, um, and uh, that's what we're here for and that's what we must do, and we need help doing it, and we need help now. And frankly speaking, what does that help look like? We need money. We need money to pay um, wages of people um, who you know who have got the expertise to help. Um, we need to set up an office in the Viv um, with other organisations, and we we've, we've got great relationships with other organisations um, and and do our part. And um, very specifically for freelancers, um, we need to monitor freelancers in in the way they need. We need to give them whatever support it is they need to focus. And um, we want to support Ukrainian journalists too, um, and that's something um, that we are in a position to do. But there are other organisations too, but we need to back them up um, and we need to um, contribute the way we can. Um, and there, in many areas there are some things that we can do that other peoples would struggle to do, they're simply not configured to do it, and very particularly on the freelance um, area. I think it's important to understand, I mean, uh, the role of freelancers, because it's very complementary and have become essential. Um, we are used to seeing network news, and we're used to reading newspapers Um, And we're we're very fortunate, we've got tremendous people who who, who serve the public interest in this way. But um, the way they operate is often quite different to freelancers. Freelancers will often be on their own. Freelancers will often be um, living with, say, a family rather than in a hotel. Freelancers are more likely to spend longer on a story. Um, And so, in a sense, uh, what's really important is to have a good diversity of sources in journalism. Um, the, the, what we found in the past, now look, social media does assist us with that, but of course um, there are all sorts of veracity issues with social media, um, and it's not always supported by somebody credible on the ground, somebody who's committed to journalistic values and, 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 and things like that, that are essential uh, if you're going to be reporting the truth. It's the thing that we are missing today in social media. Um, and what they do is by providing extra diversity of news sources and news information, is they give us a bigger, wider picture. It's absolutely essential. Um, uh, You know, no one organization or or no one industry can do enough of this. Um, And so, yes, they, they have an absolutely essential role and they deserve and need our support.
0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: And for those who don't understand the nuances and the complexities of the industry, what's the need for an office in Viv and a desk here, maybe?
1: Yeah, well, the need for a desk here is to have some, you know, have staff who are facing this alone. We have an organisation to run. Um, we we have all sorts of other things that we need to do. And um, but we need to expand. We've got at the moment um, one person partially doing it. We've got another person hopefully coming on. But we need to pay those wages. We also need to, um, uh, uh, we need we need an office in the vid very particularly to collaborate with other organisations that are out there. That's the place that we can deliver logistically. We have ways of getting equipment in, be it um, protective jackets, be it communications equipment, be it whatever they need out there. And um, we can send funds to people if they need, we can do all sorts of things. But, um, you know, we do need to be in the Viv um, to have a forward base there. And uh, there are other organisations who we're used to collaborating with there. And, and we, we need to get out there fast. Um, but we, we have nobody to send there at the moment. Um, we need um, to be able to uh, have emergency funding to uh, 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 very specifically uh, manage the people. Essentially, a freelance needs the support that an employed journalist or a journalist on contracts with a news organization would have from their employer. They do not have that. Um, we have at the Frontline Freelance Register um, the, the, you know, the, a structure to deliver that, but we need to push that forward now, and we need to be able to uh, deliver those services with the utmost urgency.
2: Yeah. And how... You know, potentially a personal question, but I've sort of spent a couple of days with you and seen you planning and scheming and walking around in this place. Mm. What has changed for you in the past few weeks in terms of your headspace, mental health? The Frontline Club's been going for 20 years. We've been doing this a while.
1: Um, I think that... Or I find that people value it hugely. But we've never been faced with a story like Ukraine. Um, it, our generation, you know, look. I, I don't want to. You know, I was in Grozny when the Russians were destroying Grozny. You know, I, was, I did a lot in the Balkan wars, um, and there are there's similarities, but there's nothing on this scale. Uh, you know, I was in Iraq, and I was in Afghanistan. I've, I've done those things, as 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 a, a very large number of my colleagues have, um, and without trying to get into an argument about the rights and wrongs of um, whatever may have happened in Afghanistan and Iraq. Today, the Ukraine is happening. Today, people are being killed in large numbers. um, Civilians are in the firing line in a way that evokes things that happened to our grandparents, experiences our grandparents had. I think we're all so completely shocked about this because we simply don't believe that this could have happened in Europe today on a scale of this nature. So um, I think that this has electrified people um, and I think that there's a a good chance that perhaps we attend more to what's happening in the world. Um, And I think that would be a very, very good thing. Um, um, There's something about COVID where all we did was rather introspectively study um, COVID. We all became experts on deltas and omegas and whatever it is that COVID was, and um, and yet there was suffering in the world. There were still wars and conflicts going on in the world that we weren't necessarily attending to, weren't you know necessarily mindful of. That's got to stop, surely. Surely this is a salutary lesson to us all that we have got to plug into what's happening in the world. We've got to understand it. Um, I've always thought that there's something. There's something somehow irresponsible with uh, living in an insular way, not appreciating or, or, or connecting in some way by understanding the suffering of others in the world. Um, it's somehow indulgent to me. Um, and I think that perhaps we can all do better. Um, I think perhaps that, and, and when I say better, that's all of us, um, journalists included, we've all got to up our game. Um, and I just feel that there's an opportunity um, to reverse declines um, that have not served us, have not served our freedom of speech, have not served um, our, our happiness and our well-being. Um, you know, and I think that there's an opportunity perhaps um, given to us by the courage of Ukrainians and the courage of journalists, international journalists too.
2: And as I draw this to a close, you know, Pierre was killed yesterday. You weren't expecting no. that. No. You were close and worked together for a long time. You must know a lot of people who are working there now. How do you feel about that and their safety?
1: I'm desperately concerned about their safety. Um, You're always going to find people brave enough to do this stuff. Thank heavens. Um, But, you know, they are just the finest of people, I'm afraid. Um, I I have such incredible admiration um, for people who... Uh, have the ability to put themselves forward on the basis of an idea, value. Um, I'm not suggesting that journalists don't report um, for their own self-worth, their careers. Of course they do, and and it's right that they do. We need a competitive industry. We need um, to be praised for doing good professional work. Um, But it's more than that. The commitment that you see from people um, in Kiev today, or Kharkiv, or Mariupol today, the, the commitment by these people is quite extraordinary. It's beyond um, what most of us do. Uh, and you know, there is a difference um, between people who volunteer to fight for Ukraine, which I think we all understand and perhaps many of us appreciate, may even be grateful for, but um, a journalist doesn't carry a gun. A journalist isn't there to harm or hinder. A journalist is there to try to give us the information so that we understand Um, It's a wholesome, good thing to be doing and it deserves deserves our support more than we've been able to deliver it for a very long time now.
2: And do you think the world views journalists differently these days? I hope that the world
1: will view journalists differently. But I think journalists need to get their house in order more as well. I mean, too many people become journalists to promote mm, their political views. Um, Too many governments uh, uh, have a corrupting effect on journalism um, uh, by the way they respond to it, by the way from from employing a vast number of public relations people to counter it, um, applying political pressure throughout the world on newspapers. I think we need a free press. Um, But journalists are people, um, humans. Um, I think that by admiring the good ones, we promote better journalism, and ultimately um, we look after ourselves
2: by doing this. Um, uh, Good journalism is the finest thing. And you've answered this question throughout this conversation, but I'll ask you to close on it. What is it that you want people to do now, um, physically, mentally, intellectually, in order to enact change?
1: I would be incredibly grateful if people could support us now Um, uh, because we can very quickly transfer that support and help to journalists in the field, in danger. So please give um, to our campaign and help us get back to where we need to be. And beyond that, meet the challenge we're facing in helping journalists, particularly freelancers today. These are courageous people um, and surely we see how much we need them today. In the longer term, I think we've been given an incredible opportunity to reassess things. And I think we need to find a way um, of wanting more from journalists in the future, wanting a better quality of news, because we will get it if we do that. It will be reflected in the way news organizations approach things. And hopefully, it'll be affected, it'll, it'll impact um, their profit and loss sheets so they can actually you know, invest more in good quality journalism, which I know we'd all like to do. Um, traditional journalism. Um, is back, and it needs to be, and we need to support it. The sooner the better, because uh, we've
2: been losing our way um, over the last decade. Brilliant. And um, this is not... This does not need to be a one -er. This is going to get cut Mm. to pieces. Um, Please, can you talk to me, don't worry, he's trustworthy, about what it is you want to do on Sunday and why, and how that's happened, and what's it for?
1: I'm so upset at seeing journalists killed in Ukraine. Uh, Yesterday, uh, we lost Pierre, we lost Sandra. Um, What I want to do to help us fundraise is project the Ukrainian flag on the Russian embassy. um, And we're going to get some journalists and there's a long list of people who want to support us. Um, And we want to make a point. We want to recognise these journalists who've been killed. We're gonna hold pictures up of them, and we're gonna promote our new tag straight from the front line, and try to launch our fundraising attempt, um, our fundraising campaign, um, so that we can do what we need to do today, now, to help freelancers and local journalists um, working uh, in great danger in Ukraine
2: Why can't we wait? Why is this urgent?
1: Yesterday, two journalists were killed. That brings four already in a war that's been going on for less than two weeks. Um, If this carries on, it's just going to be the most awful thing um, for our trade and it's going to undermine our ability um, to inform the public properly. Um, We've got to improve safety for journalists in the field. We've got to support them. We've got to do everything we can. And we are uniquely placed to contribute to this support effort um, and in some ways lead some of it, particularly with freelancers. We cannot waste another day. Um, We cannot lose any more time in getting ourselves back to where we need to be to deliver that support.
2: Thanks for listening. As I mentioned, you can find the link to donate to the campaign in the description for this episode. To stay up to date with the podcast, you can follow along on Instagram at the Adventure Podcast. The podcast is hosted by Matt Pycroft and produced and distributed by Orla O'Murray and Alex Hall. If you want to get in touch, then you can email us at info at theadventurepodcast.co.uk and please do leave us an honest review on iTunes, they make
0: the world of difference.